Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Hands of Steel and Over the Top. Arm Wrestling. Professional Arm Wrestling. Woot. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Brody on Instagram that makes it look like when Brody is chumming for the shark and it comes up behind him, he's actually taking a selfie with it. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I think I've seen that before. It's pretty good. I, I've only seen it right now, so... Uh, the good news is Roseanne's spinoff is coming next fall. They expelled the evil woman, and they're just going to have everybody else come back for it and call it the Connors like everybody thought they would. Yeah, I guess the final uh, bit was Roseanne basically agreed to not take any money. <laughs> yeah. Which, in the interest of fairness, is probably the best way to handle this. She is the the only one that got fired. Yeah. But uh be interesting to see what they do there. Did they just like kill her off screen or ever go to a mental institution? I think they're gonna kill her off screen because they've been in the do you, have you guys been watching the reboot? Yeah, I watched all of them. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say they've been doing that whole thing with she has an opioid problem and I think they might just fucking axe her. <laughs> it seems just <laughs> harsh, but there you go. I mean if you want some good drama and stuff, you just start the season with fucking Roseanne OD on pain medication. And the hilarity just writes itself. Uh, <laughs> well, I would I would argue that Roseanne's always been a show that balances funny stuff with incredibly not funny stuff. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, shit. In this last season, uh, old John Goodman in the episode that's about the uh, the big storm that rolls in, the basement floods, and he, like, fucking flips out while he's in the basement. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, basically everything just, yeah, all comes to a head, and he, like, beats the shit out of a door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, John Goodman is probably the only actor on the show that can carry the so they have to rely on him heavily. They're going to kill off a member of the family. They're like, don't show the bad actors pretending to be sad. Just keep the camera on John Goodman. <laughs> the weird thing is, if I understood correctly, season two that they were working on, John Goodman was the only character not returning. So I think they were planning on uh, getting rid of Dan. I mean, let's face it. We all consider. We all feel like he's slumming it anyway. So oh, super bad. Yeah, 
I've, I, I had a whole long talk with Shara about it. I was like, I don't under-fucking-stand how they talked him in. He has to be doing it for a favor for somebody on that cast. Uh, Sarah Gilbert. Because when the original... She remained really close with everybody. And apparently when this idea came about, Roseanne tasked her with going around and seeing if everybody would be interested in it because she knew everybody liked her. (laughs) And so I think it's her connection to John Goodman. I feel like that is... That's what got him to do it. It's got to be something like that. He's just, yeah, maybe showing appreciation from his beginnings. Although, although maybe, maybe John Goodman's hit hard times. John Goodman also just did a fucking Burger King commercial. Yeah, but that's just easy money. You show up, record like ten things in a studio. That's still that's, that's pretty slummy. You don't uh, get lower than Burger King commercial. I don't know. The one commercial that it's acceptable for any uh, famous person to do is a weird Japanese. <laughs> and you're certain this wasn't weird Japanese Burger King? I'm pretty cool. They were speaking English, and like a fish didn't shoot out of somebody's stomach and fucking rape somebody or fucking. <laughs> Have you seen Japanese commercials? Yeah, 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 you're right. That's not a Japanese commercial, then. <laughs> So do you think they'll have Jackie just move into the house just to, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason? You know, that would be a fucking weird twist if they're like, Roseanne died and Jackie and Dan start hooking <laughs> up. <laughs> oh! <laughs> what if M. Night Shyamalan couldn't twist it that hard? <laughs> uh, oh, that's fucking hilarious. Now I hope that happens. feel like they'll be truer to the characters than that probably of course i don't know i mean they did have him win the lottery once and jim varney showed up to date yeah jim varney's character was so good so they, they they also killed dan off at that point right they're like no the yeah. lottery dan's just dead and then dan's just back now implying well, they did win the lottery they did a double fake yeah, it's weird. So, uh, supposedly, I mean, Dan never died during the original run until we found out that he actually had died in the last episode. But he didn't really want to do the show that much anymore, so he, his character was off taking care of his mom, who was sick, for, like, most of the last two seasons or something. They ended up leaving Yeah. But then when we find out the whole lottery thing was all just made up story, then we find out that Dan had actually died of his heart attack. But then, they, yeah, they came back and they're just like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Roseanne <laughs> wrote everything in this notebook and now uh, we're just saying none of that really mattered. <laughs> The funny thing is that's the end. So the end of the previous run was you finding out that it was her writing stories to cope with the fact that Dan died. Mm-hmm. And then when they restarted the new one, it was she was just writing a book. And the end of that book was about her writing stories to deal with the fact that her <laughs> husband died. So they just used the exact same narrative device again. And just went, ha moving on. 
That sounds objectively terrible. <laughs> just it yeah. sounds like, it, like it's atrocious, but people just forgave it because they liked the show. Yeah, because I mean, technically, they just had to erase like the last two seasons of the show. Because in reality, when we find out that most of it was just her writing, that technically we found out that everything since like season two forward had just been her stories or whatever. Because uh, there is an episode where they they give her a writing room in the basement, but then in the last episode they revealed that actually it was Becky and David that were together, and Mark and Darlene, and she didn't feel like those combinations fit together, so she changed them in her story. Yeah, and, then, and, it then, and there was something weird like Jackie was the lesbian, not the mom. Yeah. You guys have just convinced me not to watch this show. I don't know if that's what you're trying to do or not. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but the last season of Roseanne is fucking bad. Yeah, it's the really last one's bad. horrible. This new one was actually decent once it got going. There it, it was uh, more like original Roseanne. I'm not watching any Roseanne anymore. I'm <laughs> not watching the spinoff. You guys, I'm sure, will tell me what narrative yeah. device they used to create the spinoff. Who's writing this story that Roseanne was a main character the whole time anyway? <laughs> you know, technically they say Darlene's a writer. Now. Oh my god. If they restart if they start the Connors with it turning out that it's it's Darlene writing the stories about her mom <laughs> writing the stories about her mom writing stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Roseanne inception. Jesus Christ, it's like it's like a fucking Saturday Night Live skit. It just never ends. <laughs> Uh, I think me and Noah need to get jobs on the show because I think we just came up with the way to solve everything. I'm not sure if that's the best solution. <laughs> you guys seem way more entertained by this idea than I do. I'm sitting here thinking that's just kind of dumb. I just think that you're Canadian and you don't understand the fine nuance of American television. <laughs> No, you just don't understand how they fucked it up and then are trying to backpedal and figure out ways to to fix it. We have a, a delicate legal sensibility like the British. <laughs> nah, it's alright. It's kind of in vogue now just to ignore continuity for anything, so... Yeah. Because they brought Will and Grace back and apparently they ignored the whole last season of that, too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Halloween, I mean, there's... They're ignoring like what, like nine movies? I'm just thank God we finally got to one that I know about. <laughs> Let's talk about Halloween for a while. No Terminator, Terminator. They're getting ready to do that. Oh my God, that's such a fucking mess. In the but at least that one's time travel, so they can just be like, yeah, somebody time traveled. That's why it's all different. Shut up. Yeah, I know. I like the fact that they're four movies deep into the man. We really fucked that last one up, but this one. This is the one we're going to get it right again. What are you going to do? Oh, John Connor's a robot. No, no! <laughs> Did you see the uh, the pictures of Sarah Connor on set, though? Yeah. She's looking pretty badass. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it turns out, because I was curious to see how Genesis was going to work. Please. It didn't. Oh, no. It was horrible. Genesis was... The thing with Genesis was, like, it started out okay. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh... Well, that's interesting. And then all of a sudden, like about 20 minutes in, you're like, this seems to be going off the rails. And then 40 minutes in, you're like, ooh, and I thought it was off the rails 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Where the fuck are we at now? 
<laughs> and then and then cliffhanger ending that now we're never ever gonna get. Yeah. The sad thing is nobody cares anyway. The thing is by the time it was happening, I'm like, oh they're gonna do a cliffhanger ending and they're never gonna make a sequel to this. No chance. <laughs> I just I just hope somehow they brought in the shambling corpse of uh, Edward Furlong. <laughs> That's a great idea. Uh, that is a big negative on that. But they did bring Linda Hamilton back, so it's really disappointing. She just brought his what you know, whatever he's turned into at this point. He's slowly metamorphosizing into something. Uh, the blob. I don't know something. What, you guys know what Ed Furlong looks like now? I assumed he was disappeared from public life to the point where you couldn't find pictures of him. No, oh, that is incorrect. No, he is still making shitty, shitty movies. All right. Yep, he is still making horrible, horrible movies that nobody knows about. Let <laughs> me to go and, right ahead and say we are not doing those on the show. And he, uh, he looks like somebody who ate somebody who ate young Edward Furlong. Yeah, but you never know. Maybe for the reboot, they get him back in shape. They do it with Mark Hamill. Do uh-huh. anybody? He yeah. he looks like if somebody were to be arrested for a John Wayne Gacy esque <laughs> like like they're they're like they found twenty five murdered children and the butchered corpses of fifteen women cooked in a stew pot in his house and they put up Edward Furlong's picture right now you'd be like oh yeah that dude did that shit. <laughs> I'm not even sure I know what someone who does that kind of shit is supposed to look like. Edward Maybe. Furlong nowadays. I was, I was ready to say, have you ever seen a picture of any of them? They all kind of, they all got that thing. <laughs> it's kind of like dudes who have the, you're clearly a pedophile mustache. <laughs> Don't send photos of Edward Furlong. I didn't. It's of Linda Hamilton. Oh, okay. Good. All right. By the She's way, too late. Great. Gray hair badass. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Can we start the real show now so I don't have to talk about this anymore? <laughs> no, but you got to look at the picture first and then go, oh, because you're really sad. And then I don't want to. I don't like to be sad until after Noah starts giving his opinions of movies. You got to look at Hamilton and be like, man, she looks awesome. And then for long and go, oh, Jesus. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ, John, she didn't go far enough into the past. (laughs) The Terminator accomplished its mission. (laughs) Destroyed the heart and soul of John Connor. I heard someone describe him once as, they're like, holy shit, Edward Furlong has found the way to infuse fudge and cocaine together. <sighs> I'm not getting involved in this. I just <laughs> <feel like> <laughs> All right. Well, Doug, you picked the movies this week. So, what movies did you pick, and which one do you want to start off with? Uh, the movies I picked were Over the Top and the other one, Hands of Steel, which is one of the weirdest names for a movie ever. Uh, the foreign title for it is Atomic Cyborg. Way better name. Uh, it's also known as Vendetta del Futuro, which I think is just Vendetta of the Future, which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so it has a lot of weird names. 
none of which makes sense or are relevant plot-wise. Well, Hands of Steel, I guess, kind of does. But... It does have Hands of Steel. It does, in fact. But he has lots of other parts in their steel, too. I don't know why they picked that. <laughs> Schlong of Steel. <laughs> While it should sound badass, just doesn't. It's, it does sound like the XXX parody of this film. <laughs> well, uh, Noah, why don't you tell us about Hands of Steel? Because I know you picked that one. Yeah. Uh, so, Hands of Steel is about a uh, a cyborg uh, with a really dumb name. Paco. Is, Paco. Paco the Cyborg. The most intimidating name ever. Uh, who is sent to assassinate uh, a guy over loosely political, irrelevant reasons. Uh, it, it matters for about 30 seconds of the movie, and that's about it. Right. Yeah. Half, halfway through murdering him with an atomic gut punch, he decides to pull back just enough. Just <laughs> enough not to kill the guy, but put him into a coma, failing his mission. And then he goes on the run. We just, we find out that in like all cyborg movies, he's getting his memories back. <laughs> and so seeking out his old life, and he ends up in a roadhouse in the middle of Arizona arm wrestling fucking douchebags. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's fighting other robots and John Saxon and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> End of movie. Well, uh, well, actually, I take that back because we do get a sweet thumbs up fist bump. We used to be enemies. In the- <laughs> you forgot to mention the FBI people who magically jump to the conclusion that he's a cyborg because of how strong he can punch. Yeah. No one can punch that hard. <gasps> he's a cyborg. <laughs> the best part is she goes, do you know what a cyborg is? And the other FBI guy goes, no, please explain it to me in detail while looking into this camera. <laughs> and then she walks through the definition of a cyborg. <laughs> Did I mention that he fucking karate chops the head off a rattlesnake? <laughs> course he does of course he does so uh i've seen this movie about five times i'm a pretty big fan what do you guys think uh it's not good (laughs) Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not enjoyable it has some enjoyable moments just for completely how absolutely insane and cheesy is it cheesy it is you spend most of the time going, wow, people people got paid to make this. And that's probably the most crazy part of it. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like this is a fun party movie, but watching it by yourself just doesn't do it justice. No, really? See, I, I think it's a really enjoyable movie. Yeah. You guys are not going to believe this, but I feel obligated to push back against you, Brian. Oh, wow. I I actually think this was a much better movie than I was expecting. Um, it has lots of problems that come along with being a cheesy 80s Italian action movie. And it has all the typical problems. The acting's not great. The dialogue is stunted. There's unnecessary exposition. But there are a lot of neat ideas in this movie. The The whole concept of this assassin cyborg being sent out there and 
failing. Yeah, you're, it is a pretty typical 80s action movie plot, but it's handled pretty well. I thought some of the scenes, like especially the scene where he drives through the acid rain and it's literally burning through the car, was pretty cool. And I thought, yeah, it just the action worked, which I, I did not expect that. I expected the action to be so low budget that it was just annoying and pathetic. It definitely, and, it really ramps up in the second half. Yeah, yeah, it, it moves pretty slow at, be, at the beginning, and I think they're trying to, I think it's supposed to be a surprise when it's revealed he's a cyborg, but if you were surprised by that, then you're a very stupid person, because um, <laughs> it was pretty obvious right from the get-go. But, I, like, you had described it last week as just a Terminator ripoff, and obviously it's not a coincidence that the cyborg assassin movie was made, whatever, two years after Terminator, and there are there's definitely one scene that is an exact replica. They may have just used the Terminator footage and like used some kind of digital effects to make it look a little worse. Um, <laughs> they upgraded it so they wouldn't get caught. Yeah, but they, uh, I, I think there were some interesting ideas here. I thought actually it was RoboCop-esque in the way that he's you know, a guy who was killed and then not maybe wasn't efficient, wasn't fully dead, so they were able to restore him using these cybernetics, and then he's now starting to struggle between following his programming and bringing that back. And considering this movie came out before RoboCop, it deserves credit for being a little original with that. See, I've I've read uh, comparisons to Universal Soldier. Yeah, which is apt. Also came before that as well. But... Yeah. So, and I mean, obviously, both Universal Soldier and RoboCop are better movies than this. I'm not saying it belongs in that discussion. I'm just saying that some of the ideas are showing up here before they showed up in these other better movies. And if these guys had had, you know, English-speaking script writers and a bit of a better budget, I think there was potential in this movie. And I didn't... Most of the time when we watch Noah's picks, I sit here and I cringe a lot. <laughs> and I didn't find myself doing that this time. I thought it was an okay movie. Which is better than I expected. Wow, wow. Doug got converted. Yeah. So it's gonna be all Noah picks from now on. No, no, it's no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> converted is not the uh, the right word. I just thought this one was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I would also mention one of my favorite things about the movie is uh, the main. First of all, the main actor looks like a bizarre clone of Young Undertaker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he does. He looks a lot like him. It's weird. Now that you say it, I can kind of see it. So yeah, I don't disagree with that statement. Yeah. And his weird stiff kung fu he does is like uh it's like Steven Seagal but with charisma. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, cuz I think it's it's the same bad, way too slow to be effective type of kung fu that you see in a lot of these movies. But because of the, the big reveal that he's a cyborg, um, I think it's it makes sense plot-wise that he moves so slow compared to like a lot of these movies where they just want you to believe that people can't avoid those really slow-moving punches. <laughs> um, do you want to know some uh, some crazy facts about this movie? Everyone does. So, you know the guy that flies around in the helicopter the whole time? Yeah, yeah. 
him and the pilot of the helicopter both died while filming this movie. What? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, is it a helicopter crash incident? It, it, it is a helicopter crash. So, I think it's the scene where they're flying around the bridge, that big old bridge towards the end. Yeah. I think there was supposed to be a scene where the helicopter went under the bridge, and apparently the pilot miscalculated and the blades hit like the bottom of the bridge, and then they just fell into that canyon. Well, that's what would happen in those circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. That's really unfortunate. Um, yeah. So they both passed away. Uh, apparently, when they checked the hotel room, the pilot had some, like, uh, like diet pills or something, like whatever they were back in the eighties. Kill cane. And one of those, uh, one of the side effects was supposedly uh, could. Um, oh, how the fuck did they say it? Could. Uh, basically, it could mess up your uh, misguide misguide your judgment or something like that. Oh, so they wonder if he was on it, but apparently they don't know because his body was never recovered from the ravine. So it's just still down there. That's what I. That's what I'm wondering. Like, did they both just crash and then everybody's sort of like, ah, oh, that sucks, and then just go back to work and nobody we ever recovered their bodies? We don't have the budget to be going down there to pick up bodies. We just got to move on with the shoot. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. How, what do you, where'd you get this information? They never IMDb. IMDb. So it's very, very reliable and nothing on there is ever incorrect. That's true. Um, they never recovered the bodies. It's fascinating to me. And one of the sort of a, a subset of that fact, uh, John Saxon credits SAG with saving his life because apparently his character was supposed to be on the helicopter with them. Okay. But due to it being a non union film, he would only film his scenes in Italy. He would not film anywhere in America because it would be against SAG rules. Makes sense. So since he refused to film in America, they had to, you know, change it up a little bit, and uh, so thus it ended up saving his life. And apparently, ever since then, he has never broken a uh, SAG guideline because of because of that. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Like the, these are weird facts. Normally, <laughs> when you start reading the facts, I'm like, oh, here we go. Maybe it'll be mildly entertaining, but this is a good one. Um, so you uh, let me sit here and talk positively about the film before you told me that they tried to kill John Saxon. <laughs> well, you really try to kill John Saxon. <laughs> sort of, though. Um, they just would have unwittingly known that they were sending him to his death. This is where I hope that somewhere there's like giant fans of this film who just love it, who are one day going to like have an expedition down into that ravine to recover those bodies. <laughs> um, also, not not really like a, a fact fact, but um, this was directed by a guy who directed uh, Island of the Fishmen. Oh, really? Which I remember us being pretty positive on. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. I did not. I did not realize that was in there. They're very, very different films, like you wouldn't expect. 
this movie is much cheesier and they're around the same time so yeah okay so here here's he also did after the fall of new york apparently that's pretty sweet Mm -hmm. and torso which is a halfway decent uh, giallo film oh so here's like the official so co-star claudio casanelli died in a helicopter crash during filming in arizona according to the national transportation safety board report the rotor blades of the Bell 206B struck the underside of a steel bridge and broke off, causing the aircraft to plummet into the canyon below, killing Casanelli and the pilot. The crash was officially attributed to inattention and poor judgment by the pilot. Uh, they re- the report notes that a bottle of prescription diet pill Ionamin was found in the pilot's hotel room, and this drug may cause er- errors in judgment. But his actual use of the drug could not be verified because his body was never recovered. Hmm. So. Did you guys notice that this movie did the old, like, it's a hot chick? But really, she's just a more advanced cyborg thing. Like, years before Terminator 3 did it. (laughs) Yeah, she's got the, like, little finger claw thing. Yeah. I am the most powerful cyborg, and I'm here to kill you. <laughs> yeah, because this is the earliest version of that that I can think of. Because like Terminator Three did it, and one of those shitty Transformers movies did it. I think I think we can all agree that her lines are the best delivered of any movie of all time. <laughs> well, that's maybe stretching it a bit. <laughs> I do love the fact that like a big chunk of this movie takes place at a motel that rents rooms by the half day, so people can just go there to fuck. <laughs> like it's sort of funny because the owner is played off as like a sympathetic character, but she does run this like really trashy motel, and that's a major like location for most of the movie. She also runs a bar in which a popular sport is arm wrestling. Where the loser's arm becomes shackled to the table and they are bitten by a poisonous snake. <laughs> yeah, but that's only in like the really high stakes games. Right. Most of the time they just arm wrestle and then whoever loses like tries to start a fight. <laughs> I'm just fascinated that we have two movies this week that just take for granted the fact that there's this weird underground professional arm wrestling league that exists amongst truckers mm-hmm. and we're just all just supposed to accept that that's just a statement of fact i have no reason to think that it's not a statement of fact <laughs> i do like that uh uh apparently they take arm wrestling so seriously that one of the villains is just has no problem turning them in knowing that they're going to kill him to the point where he says yeah, he deserves to be killed. How dare he beat me and make me look stupid in front of my friends. <laughs> All he did was win. He didn't do anything else wrong, but just so we're clear. <laughs> and at one point, they so they trick him out into the desert, hang him upside down by his feet, and beat him with baseball bats while he's dangling. That's just to make him weaker for his next arm wrestling match. Yeah, yeah which is, I like to see you beat this guy now. It's like, Okay, so you're literally going to beat him within an inch of his life and then just let him go so he can make sure he makes it to the arm wrestling later? Well, the other thing is they just left him hanging there on the assumption that he would be able to get down and still make it back. (laughs) It doesn't seem like a great plan. I don't know. (sighs) 
but but it was fun to watch. He's dangling there, and they're wailing on him. They did a really good job shooting that, I thought. There, there's also the great scene of them basically attempting to goad him by writing a message on toilet paper about, you know, be a, be a man or don't like your ass or something like that. <laughs> you can be a man and fight us, or if you're too chicken, you can use this to wipe your ass. And it's like, well, yeah. you can use that to wipe your ass even if you're a man. That's that's what that product is for. <laughs> I, I do like his response of just writing, you're on, and then snapping off a chunk of her marble bar top and throwing it over to them. <laughs> to which she that, then... That lady on him to win. But she bets on him to win just so that she can get enough money to buy a new countertop. <laughs> I do love in these movies, too, like the whole concept that people just wander into bars in the middle of the desert and say, like, I need a place to stay. Give me a job, and I'll just work for free if you let me stay here. And that always works. <laughs> They're always looking for somebody to stack wood or whatever in exchange for room and board. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot, a lot of cheesy stuff in this movie, but executed pretty well. I feel like they knew they were being cheesy. I love the fact that her her hint at him being a super badass is that he chops wood abnormally fast. <laughs> oh, really, really? Like, she gives him a week to do it. He does it, like, in such a short period of time that she's like, hey, your work day's not over yet. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he probably could have just stretched that out and not worked so hard. Oh. No, it's like doing your homework on Friday night. Then your weekend's completely free solid point uh, well you two were fans of it i was okay on it yeah and again i, I don't want to make it clear i'm not arguing that this is a great piece of cinema i'm just saying i had fun watching it i think it was executed well it is very cheesy but i think it knows it's cheesy and it had some neat ideas in it that were used in much better films later on it's it's not a great movie it's a great cheesy movie I will say the uh, they must have put a lot of time and effort into the big Terminator ripoff scene, which is where he, in case people haven't watched it, it's they recreate the scene where he's got an injury to his arm and he's he's moving the wires inside his arm to adjust his fingers, and it looks almost as good as Terminator looks. If you watch Terminator and like crappy YouTube copy that I watched this. In. <laughs> Uh, I got to watch this on Amazon Prime. So sweet, sweet HD. Yeah. I watched a crappy YouTube <laughs> version of it that was... It, the the movie was in uh, widescreen, but then whoever uploaded it to YouTube had like blurry stuff put on each side to make it look like it was 4.3. So, <laughs> and they had the name of the company that had stolen this movie and put it on YouTube in the corner. So. Yeah, that seems about right. It's see, I like I started it. Well, I could probably find a better copy, but this seems appropriate. <laughs> it probably actually enhanced the viewing experience. <laughs> Amazon Prime really knocked it out of the park this week. Both of them were on there. Yeah. Oh no, I watched I watched over the top and glorious VHS. <laughs> the VHS, right. the VHS copy over the top that I've owned for like fifteen years and I've never watched. Finally got around to it. That's what inspired us to make do this show. <laughs> Speaking of over the top, why don't you uh, why don't you walk us through over the top, Dad? Uh, over the top is a very cheesy '80s film starring Sylvester Stallone. 
which is really about a guy who is estranged from his son so his son is going to come with he's going to drive across country with his son so that they can spend some time together and bond uh and it becomes a weird custody battle because the the mother is dying and the dad now wants his son but the grandfather who has been raising the son as in the father's absence also wants custody um by robert loja yeah loja and then in the middle of this there's like an arm wrestling subplot <laughs> that goes on and for some reason that becomes the culmination of the movie is whether or not Sylvester Stallone can win this big arm wrestling tournament so that he can start his own trucking company which I don't know why that's the climax of the movie just because it was the 80s I think uh, it's a reverse wizard like <laughs> it is yeah it's dad going to the competition to prove to his son that he's got what it takes. It reminded me a lot of The Wizard, actually. <laughs> a road <laughs> movie? Weird. Yeah, road movie with a championship at the end. Yeah. Playing random, you know, competing against random people at bars. Yep. Yeah. I think Sylvester Sloan has some sort of mental disability that goes undefined, just like the kid in The Wizard. I don't think that's an acting thing. <laughs> well, something I read about this. Apparently, Sylvester Stallone kept turning this movie down because he thought it sounded horrible. And they kept offering to pay him more and more and more money to do it. So eventually it got to the point where he's like, yeah, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. That's a lot of money. And nobody's going to see this anyway, so who cares? Well, but he has writing credit on the film. Does he really? <laughs> I think so. So that means he would have like, and he does this a lot with his movies is that he like gets, he gets in there and then he just wants to like rewrite it so that he can uh, beef up his part and make it more Sylvester Stallone. So yeah, he's one of four credited writers on the movie to a story. He's, he's not even story by his screenplay him and another guy have screenplay credits. So, yeah, so cause, that cause makes can... me wonder like did he add in the arm wrestling stuff <laughs> or because it definitely this oh, movie could exist uh, without, without the arm wrestling altogether if it wanted to nobody would be talking about it this far along <laughs> in the future but uh, let's see uh, did we mention that the son is played by David uh, Mendenhall also known as that annoying kid from all those 80s movies Oh, I don't think he was annoying. I remember liking him. I'm not saying he was a bad actor. I'm saying all of his parts was he played like the assholy kid. Well, in this one, he played the assholy kid who learned to become a less assholy kid by the end. And then eventually runs away from home and is able to fly himself to Vegas from California without getting caught. And uh, his, uh, his uh, career did not go so good. He's still working, but he is a little bit actor in random TV series, pretty much. If he's, uh, if he's making a living by being an actor and he doesn't have to go to jobs that we have to go to, then his life is better than ours. So we shouldn't I, complain. I cannot guarantee that he does not have to go to a job than ours. <laughs> well, until we find out, let's not judge him. Would All right. Uh, am I assuming you guys have seen this movie plenty of times in the past? Oh, yeah. 
Uh, no, I've seen it when I was younger, but I've seen it forever. So, so what uh, what did you think of it watching it? Um, well, I thought the dialogue was horrible. Uh, everything is so on the nose with everything. Uh, but when it got to just like them driving around in the truck and like the arm wrestling stuff, I actually really enjoy that stuff. Uh, as stupid as it was. His, his, uh, arm, his arm training montage yeah. of his weird hat pull up. Yeah, and him and his son, you know, exercising at the beach. That was a little weird. <laughs> I feel like this movie has a lot of potential to be like a very good dramatic film if it had been made at any time other than 1987. And yeah. I think it was, because I feel like, I don't know, like, because it was the 80s, you had to have this like over the top villain character. So they made, well, they have two of them. They have one for the arm wrestling storyline and one for the, uh, child custody storyline and for the arm wrestling yeah fine you want like some big mean dickhead who's you know that's the guy you got to beat to win your arm wrestling tournament Mm. but i think like the robert loggia character there's plenty of room to be sympathetic for that guy like he's been raising this kid regardless of what else happened he's been raising this kid for 10 years and the dad's been nowhere to be found except for writing some letters every now and again I think he's got a pretty good point when he says, no, the kid should stay with me in the only home he's ever known after his mom dies. Like, you can't just take him to go live in a truck now. And I think that's, like, a solid point. And I think, like, there, there's no reason why this couldn't have been a drama about a father. And then you could have almost, again, because it's the 80s, you need Sylvester Stallone to come out on top by winning an arm wrestling tournament. But, like, a, a really good drama film about these two characters coming together and Sylvester Sloan becoming a part of the kid's life without necessarily having to take him away from the only home he's ever known mm-hmm. could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, all he ever does, all Robert Loja ever does is be like, ah, no, you left. You abandoned him. But they never really talk about, like, what it was. Well, like, Stallone says, like, well, you were driving me and uh, whoever his wife was, you were driving us apart or whatever. Yeah, but there's no like big like explanation of what happened exactly. other than just Robert Loge's like I don't like him. And then there's like there's implications that like Robert Loge was telling this grandson things about his father that were not true in order to make him not want to see his father and preventing birthday cards from getting through the mail and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But. It's not delved into because they have to stop an arm wrestle every now and again. <laughs> and, you know, um, I think that, like, I, I do think there is possibly a really good drama film version of this movie. Mm. Just this, like the stuff with the dad and the kid bonding, I think works pretty well. But then because it's 1987, there's an attempted kidnapping in the middle of the movie. Then the cops are called because you hear the sirens. But then, never addressed again. They just let it go. (laughs) And you're like, well, wait a minute. I know it's 1987, but when the police are called to the scene and there was an attempted kidnapping and the perpetrators left a vehicle behind, they're going to be able to track those guys down. And they're going to probably have some questions for the 
grandfather of the kid who's being kidnapped when it's two of his employees doing the kidnapping. <laughs> but they, they just let that go. And they, But then at the end, towards the end, I should say, when Sylvester Stallone tries to visit his son and they say no, so he drives his transport truck into their house. <laughs> then the cops are like right on that one. Like that's trespassing and destruction of personal property. They got to get involved in that. <laughs> Even though kidnapping, they just let go. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, not really. So what you're saying is, winner takes it out. Winner <laughs> takes it out. <laughs> He's going to make it over the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> Motherfucking Sammy Hagar, yo. <laughs> the the arm wrestling tournament at the end is just glorious 80s-ness yeah. with the constant repeating into the camera you have to lose twice in order to be eliminated so that Sylvester Sloan could lose once without the audience thinking he's eliminated mm-hmm. is hilarious although and, I would like to point out that because of that there's a yeah. huge problem with the story <laughs> there is the last guy only lost once he did not lose the tournament <laughs> Like, Sylvester Stallone should have been off celebrating, and then someone should have tapped him on the shoulder, like, uh, you still have to beat him one more time before you actually win this thing. The implication of the tournament setup is that you, when you get to the finals, it's a, a, a one-time match. But I, I don't feel like explained. that was implicated. I think they repeated over and over and over that you have to lose twice to be out, and that that guy has never lost an arm wrestling. <laughs> but they do say this is the final match so why is it the final match I don't know it's possible that I don't know that much about arm wrestling tournaments we need, we have to find an expert ask them we'll put the call out on Facebook yeah, is anybody, if... anybody an arm wrestling champion <laughs> what, if, what if we have some trucker call in and be like I'm sick of you guys disparaging the trucker arm wrestling lifestyle. <laughs> That'd be amazing. This is a proud tradition. Oh, I'm just saying, if I ever see you guys, I'm going to turn my hat backwards and you're going to be in trouble. It's like a switch. It's like a switch going off. Oh, it's amazing. That was because that is literally all I knew about this movie was arm wrestling backwards cap. I knew that move. I did not anticipate the one guy drinking motor oil to get himself psyched up for the arm wrestling. <laughs> that does not seem like a great idea. No, that'd make you I, sick. I will say, I've, I've seen this movie more than once, but I haven't watched it in a while, probably 10 years or so. Yeah. And watching it this time, man, it's a way better made movie than I remember it being. I kind of remembered it being like a canon, shitty, incompetent movie, and it's not incompetent it's all 80s and weird but especially the arm wrestling stuff it's really good uh physical storytelling you know what i mean like there's actually struggle and you're actually like oh oh, it's going this way it's going that way you know yeah no i I agree with that i like i think any of the arm wrestling they show that doesn't involve sylvester stallone you don't know who's going to win those matches you're watching it and you actually get little bit involved in trying to wonder which guy is going to win yeah stallone totally like destroys that one guy and he gets all mad he's like i wasn't ready i wasn't ready <laughs> that guy loses it that guy's always wearing like clear product placement t-shirts too so 
when he got knocked out, I was kind of surprised. I'm like, they must, he must go to the finals because otherwise, why does he get the Budweiser T-shirt? <laughs> it is weird though in that arm wrestling match. I do get the impression that uh, Stallone's character played him. Yeah, he did keep like frustrating him and not sitting down and not sitting down, and then finally he sat down. And they were like, oh, it's ah! <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it, it does seem like it's somebody wanted to make a whole movie about an arm wrestling tournament, and that element of it is really well done. With the exception well, of us not understanding the rules well enough to know why that was the final match. Well, apparently, uh, it was not the original screenwriter who wanted to do a movie about an arm wrestling tournament. Says David Engelbach was appalled at the changes made to his script. He remarked that his original draft wasn't nearly as dumb as the final film, and that it was more it was more about truck driving and arm wrestling than it should have been. <laughs> he recalled having tears in his eyes upon seeing the film. So if it was more about truck driving and arm wrestling than what his original script was, what was in his script? It sounds like the original script is the movie that I'm talking about, about a father and a son going on a road trip together and bonding after years apart and having to learn, you know, having to learn about each other and come together, which I, I do think that that movie is built into this movie. It's just then they have a scene where they let the 12 year old drive a transport truck down the street and everybody's just okay with that. <laughs> when they started letting that kid drive, first of all, the kid is like basically saying he's smarter than his dad. His dad's like, you think a dumb guy could drive this truck? Well, then you drive. So I assumed the kid wouldn't be able to figure out how to drive. And then he'd say, see, we're all smart in different ways. And the kid would learn a little life lesson. But instead, they kind of proved the kid right because the kid can do all the stuff the dad can do. Yeah, yeah. Took the dad doesn't know the stuff the kid knows. <laughs> so they, te they technically proved the douchebag kid correct. Um but then he's just driving, and you're like, okay, they're going to let him drive around a parking lot or something. Nope, full on down the highway, just a 12-year-old driving a transport truck with a full payload on there, by the way. This is this guy's livelihood. If that kid crashes that truck, then he's screwed. <sighs> yeah, this movie is so 80s. <laughs> the scene, if you need to know how 80s this movie is, the scene like after the funeral... Well, first of all, the scene at the funeral where everybody else is just having a funeral and Sylvester Stallone just walks up, drops flowers on the grave and walks away. It's like, stick around, man. There's a whole ceremony. <laughs> I'm sure nobody's going to kick you out. Like, just, it'll be fine. And then, but then he just goes, drives to the beach in California and sits on the front of his truck with his shirt unbuttoned and just stares out of the ocean thinking about his life. And you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> oh, right. 1987's happening. Okay. Now I understand. <laughs> um, so apparently his character was based off of a real life arm wrestler okay. uh, named John Bresnik um, and then the weird thing is so I guess it's sort of like a promotion for the movie and also to set something up that they could film at they really did make an over the top arm wrestling competition and then held it and then shot all of Sylvester Stallone's scenes like the day after the finals. Really? <clears throat> um, but then it turns out the guy who his character was based off of actually won in the trucker's class of the actual tournament. And he won a uh, 
Volvo white truck and trail mobile trailer that was the grand prize <clears throat> that was the grand prize in the movie. And apparently it was worth about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. That's that's all very interesting. Stop, rewind. Did you just say he won in the trucker class? Yes. So <laughs> it's real? Apparently that's real. Heavyweight, lightweight truckers. Yes, apparently. <laughs> <clears throat> And then apparently he took the truck all over the country to promote the film, and then he sold it, and then bought an '87 Corvette with some of the money. That makes sense. Now, if Sylvester Stallone had not done this movie, there apparently there was another choice, and it would completely change the dynamic of the movie. Okay. Apparently they want they were thinking Don Johnson. That's a very very different film with Don Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Just the increase in Hawaiian shirts would have changed everything. <laughs> I cannot imagine Don Johnson would have been involved in this much arm wrestling. No. He would have been like, eh, just get a big old stunt double. It'll be all right. Weird. Uh, Doug, did you happen to notice Terry Funk is one of uh, Robert Loge's bodyguards? I did happen to notice that. And I noticed <laughs> that that bodyguard got thrown through like glass window, and then I, I kept wondering whether he did his own stunts. I'm like, that makes sense. Get the hardcore guy and just throw him through a fucking window. You're like, eh. that wasn't a big glass either. I wonder because Terry Funk's not a very tall guy, and I know Sylvester Stallone in real life is not really that tall either. Correct. Terry Funk looked like he was like a foot taller than him. So uh, they have him standing on like crates or something. I think I don't think Terry Funk is short. I think Terry Funk is just not as tall as most wrestlers. I I think that you have to put Sylvester Sloan back to back with Warwick Davis to determine who's taller. I think that's <laughs> the issue at hand here. Uh, let's see if Wikipedia says how tall Terry Funk is. <laughs> this is a really good use of our time. Yeah. Our in-depth analysis of films goes in weird directions. All right, build height, which as we know in wrestling can be exaggerated, is six one. I don't know. If, I think it's fair to assume that it's exaggerated just because he's a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, but I was excited. Like, hey, look, it's Terry Funk. I'm like, I mean, oh, six one's only two inches taller than me. I'm not a huge guy. Well, Two inches shorter than me, so. Well, fuck you, Brian. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> arm wrestle about it. Um, no, I was happy to see him, and I'm like, "Hey, Terry Funk, you're going to retire about 50 times in your lifetime, so enjoy." Yeah, it's also is this what? Where does this compare to Roadhouse? He played like a bodyguard in that movie too. It's like he was he trying to start an acting career, and they'd only let him play bodyguards. <laughs> uh, Roadhouse is. Um, why is that called Roadhouse sixty six? What the fuck? That's not, that's not the right movie. Fuck you, IMDb. You're wrong. Movies. I think Roadhouse is probably like eighty nine. Eighty nine. You're right. So this is two years later. So he's like, I gotta get my acting under underway here. They'll let me play a bodyguard in this movie, and then I'll play a big part in the next one. You're still a bodyguard. Fuck it. I'm going back to wrestling. <laughs> Oh, he, he was in an episode of Quantum Leap. I forgot about that. The episode, episode? Where he, the episode where he's like a Russian professional wrestler or something. And like his brother's going to die of a heart attack if he keeps wrestling. I do not remember that episode. That's weird. All right. Yeah. 
So, so how did you feel rewatching this, Doug? Did, were you like so no, happy? Or watching it for the first time? You watched it for this is the first watch. It's the first time I've watched this movie start to finish. Oh, I thought you had seen it before. No, I, that's why I bought a VCR a couple of weeks ago so I could watch this. <laughs> Found my old my old pile of unwatched VHS tapes. I'm like, yeah. oh Jesus, look at that. That's hilarious. Well, how did you feel for a first time watch? Um, it was yeah, the arm wrestling stuff is great. It's so fun to watch. The again, the, I think the drama, the relationship between the dad and the son works pretty well, and I think there's potential for a really good dramatic story built in there. It's just not executed very well because of 1987, um, and, and it was way more of a drama film than I expected it to be. I thought this was going to be a cheesy action movie, like a Rambo, or sorry, a Rocky ripoff about arm wrestling. And instead it's a movie about a father and trying to reconnect with his son who he feels was taken from him. And the son who feels that he was abandoned having to learn to accept his father. And I'm like, Oh, it's actually pretty good. Weird, but good. Uh, so what did you think Noah? Uh, I liked it even more on the rewatch, I think. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's like I said, it's 80s. If, as long as you're okay with the fact that it's an 80s-ass movie, it's fine. It's it's not Stallone's best acting, but it's also not his worst acting. Uh, that's one of the points I thought I was going to bring up. He, during the dramatic scenes, I feel like he is so completely phoning it in. He's just like doesn't really have much emotion behind most of, most of his dialogue. Um, sometimes you'll get some intense stares out of him when he's confronting Robert Loja, but no, this is a yeah, this is definitely Rambo or like Rocky Four Stallone, mm-hmm. not like Rambo, not like First Blood Stallone. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, totally. And that's unfortunate because the film it does call for some dramatic scenes and. He just gives that evil stare, like I'm so angry that all I can do is look at you, kind of stare. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, he gives that in every movie. We've all seen it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it it is sort of maybe too bad that he Stalloned up the script. And I'd be curious to see what the film would look like if they had just not gotten him and had gotten somebody else to to do the more dramatic film that they obviously wanted to do. Yeah. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, anybody watch anything since last time? Doug? Uh, I had time to watch one movie, which is another one from the 80s, believe it or not. I watched Krull from 83. Hell yeah. Which I have not seen since 83 or so. (laughs) All I had in my my memory of it was the, uh, the cool throwing weapon thingy the guy has. And I remember the scene where he reached into like lava looking stuff and pulled it out. Uh, I was surprised by how good this movie is. Have you guys seen it in a while? I assume you've awesome. seen it. 
Like, uh, I've actually never seen it, so. Oh, really? Might have to add it to the list. So, like, I mean, the storyline is pretty typical um, fantasy type storyline. It's very Lord of the Rings. Like, this prince and princess are going to marry and unite the kingdoms, and in the middle of it, the bad guys show up and kidnap the princess, and the prince has to, like, go on a journey across the land to find her and fight to get her back. I mean, it's really typical. It's really surprising how much Lord of the Rings influenced stuff before Lord of the Rings was a movie. Um, those books must have been very popular in the uh, <laughs> late 70s and early 80s. Um, but this movie's pretty well executed. Like, it's the the world that they live in is pretty cool. A lot of, like, the sets are neat. The characters are all... I mean, it's really basic. I mean, the guy meets up with, like, it's almost like uh, an Obi-Wan type character that he meets up with who takes, who starts him on his journey and he puts together an army made up of like thieves and then they meet up with like a different wizard and all these, you know, very typical characters from fantasy films. But as they go along, you kind of get to like a lot of the guys and then they kind of get into these, these battles. The, the, the action's good. This, this, like the scenes are neat. The world that they exist in is pretty cool. There's some trippy scenes when they get into this like magical castle at the end. It's kind of weird, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm surprised how much it was a real movie and not just a cheesy '80s kind of throwback thing for me. And the other thing that yeah. I really liked about it is that there's a cyclops in the movie. And there's Liam Neeson in the movie, so you get these uh, these scenes of Liam Neeson just standing there next to a giant one-eyed monster. And for me, that's very funny because I listen to certain podcasts where that <laughs> joke makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I've always been curious about it, but uh, never pulled the trigger on watching it. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd recommend it if you're looking for you know '80s fantasy adventure type movies to watch um, I think Wikipedia refers to it as like a swashbuckler movie which is kind of funny to me because I didn't know that that was a type of movie <laughs> but yeah I mean you have to know what you're getting into it is a pretty kid friendly movie so you're not going to get big vicious fight scenes you're going to get more cheesiness than anything else and, yeah but those were fun in the 80s yeah and you have like it's like it's the 80s right so there's a scene where they're stuck in quicksand all of a sudden yeah, all that all that stuff that you would expect. It's like I say, it's heavily inspired by Lord of the Rings. So there's some scenes, including a scene with a giant spider, where you're just like, Bleh. "You guys just didn't think that they were going to ever make a Lord of the Rings movie, so you thought you could just use this." <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember seeing a meme that I always thought was pretty funny. This says, like, growing up watching TV in the '70s and the '80s, I thought quicksand was going to be a lot bigger of a problem than what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like everything had quicksand in it. It was just everywhere back then. I don't know. We must have solved that problem. Global warming <laughs> caused quicksand to go away or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, that's all I watched this week. What did you watch, Noah? Uh, well, I most certainly watched Teen Wolf because it's on comic this month. <laughs> I would watch TV. Uh, it was on the TV. And it's comment, yo. And uh, nobody will be surprised, but I have the Screen Factory Blu-ray release of Teen Wolf. As and you Teen Wolf should. 2. That makes and sense. Teen Wolf 2. 
I have both. Of course. Be silly to watch. Uh, I pretty much burned through the rest of uh, Shit's Creek because it's it's pretty funny. That show's pretty good. Nice. It's a little. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. What's What's the name of the guy who makes all of the fake mockumentary movies? Um, fuck. He's married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. But <laughs> what the I, fuck I is his the, name? The humor The humor in it seems very much like his thing. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's... It's not a far stretch from what those people are already used to doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, because there's a lot of stuff that it's only funny because it's a character put into a situation that's odd. Like, the the male son is pansexual. Christopher and, Guest. And he's also, like, a really you know, kind of... A, flamboyant dresser and stuff and so at one point in the the show he starts shacking up with a girl and the entire joke is that he's a pansexual so he's shacking up with a girl like and it's quote fingers normal even though he's quote finger not normal you know what I mean and it's this whole running joke in which it's funny but it's not very funny if, if that makes sense it's kind of hard to put and it down. But so that was pretty good. Uh, and I'm trying to think if I watched anything else. I don't think I did. Ooh. Even though I did at Walmart, I found uh, all the Phantasm movies on a uh, five, $5 pack DVD. So now I own the two that I was missing. Mm. Yeah, it's a good series. I'm excited about that. I was missing. I was missing two and four for some reason. Uh, two was out of print for a long time. Screen Factory did put out a good Blu-ray of it. Um, but yeah, I know they just released the other uh, box set. So yeah, yeah, that's mine now. <laughs> mine, mine, it's mine. Wish it would have been on Blu-ray, but I'll I'll look. <laughs> Uh, well, let's see. Might be a short episode. Uh, I finished watching the new season of Kimmy Schmidt, um, which Noah talked about recently. Uh, it was good, and I was disappointed that there was only six episodes, and I didn't know there was only six episodes. Oh, that is that's annoying. <laughs> so, and it ends on this weird, somewhat cliffhanger, which is weird because I heard this might be the last season. Right. Um, so it ends on this weird cliffhanger and i was like oh okay well we'll just go on to the next episode and it's like oh there is no next episode yeah, what the pretty, fuck is this bullshit pretty sure they did that on purpose too just to be like fuck you this is the last season we're just gonna leave it hanging <laughs> uh there's been rumors maybe of them doing a uh a movie or something that netflix is gonna let them do a movie to kind of wrap it all up but it just seems weird uh, what'd you think of the backpack episode? Because that's one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. It was it was upsettingly funny. Like I had to like pause the show and go get a drink and stuff to relax for a minute. What I mean, I thought it was funny. I didn't think it was like die laughing funny. Like what what did you think was so funny about it? I don't I don't know. Especially something about the the 
the running joke of, you know I can't hear with the backpack <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny. And then uh, toward, toward the end, whenever it gets like real grim dark all of a sudden. So <laughs> <laughs> Amanda started losing it when she started slowly putting rocks in her. She's yeah, going to throw her into the river. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It was because it was, you're like, oh my gosh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> And it's such a silly thing. It's such a silly thing, but it's so fucking dark that it makes it hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm um, hopefully they're gonna fix, wrap all that up before there is no more Kimmy Schmidt. We're going on an adventure. Yeah, we are. <laughs> the greatest adventure. <laughs> Sounds like you guys enjoyed this. <laughs> Yeah, Kimmy Schmidt. It's good stuff. Um, and then I've, I watched a movie that you talked about a little bit last week, Doug, which was Cargo. Oh, right. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I liked it a lot, too. So, um, I think you were talking about I liked just how subtle the movie was. Like, it wasn't in your face about tons of stuff. Uh, I did like that... There is no explanation of why they know that you only have 48 hours before you change. They just, there's just a, like an emergency pack with a watch and it automatically sets to 48 when you put it on. Yeah. Uh, I like that you don't really know anything about main character. Like you don't know anything about him from what his life was like before all this started happening. You're just kind of like jumping into the middle where this is just like a thing that people sort of live with and everybody sort of looks out for themselves and yeah i, I like the world that was set up where it's just like yeah. zombies are just the thing we deal with now like it's just happening around us right yeah yeah and like at the beginning like he sees another family like on a because uh, they start off on like a, a river boat just going down the river and that's sort of how they sort of uh segregate themselves so they don't run into whatever issues but he sees another family like on the on the bank and he kind of waves at him like oh well maybe maybe we could like help each other out or something and the guy just like lifts up his shirt and shows him that he has a gun yeah so and martin freeman just stops stops waving and kind of just huh and then just sort of turns around and goes back into the cabin of the boat guess guess that guy will shoot me if i pull over so i'll just not pull over yeah yeah so yeah, I loved it. I thought the uh, the ticking clock aspect of it was good. Um, it was a lot less of... Uh, I mean, you knew what was going to happen. It just You were along for the ride to figure out what was going to happen before his final fate, which I thought was an interesting uh, way to approach the story. Yeah, I liked how early in the movie they told us that your lead character is going to die. Mm-hmm. Like there's never a hint that okay they can probably cure this if he gets to the right spot or something like no yeah no you just yep yeah, you're along for the ride you know what's going to happen it's just is he going to reach some sort of destination to uh, to save his daughter well yeah I really loved it I thought it was fantastic it I is like amazing to... it is amazing how subtle the movie is that. It tells such a great story that way. Yeah. And I also liked how dark it got when it showed how some of the people were treating each other. 
specifically that one dick that was locking other people in cages to attract zombies. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of fucked up. You just kind of see all this and you're like, oh, shit, like, this is what this guy does now. Like, that's yeah. fucked up and weird. And his his sort of uh, rationale of, well, I mean, once the world gets straightened out, people are going to want all their shiny stuff again. So I'll be sitting pretty. It's like, are you fucking joking? Like, yeah. that's your priority right now? Well, he, like, took over, like, was it, like, the gas plant or something with the logic being that when they want it back when people need this again i'll be the one that has it and i can sell it to them it's like it's really broken logic because you're assuming the world's gonna <laughs> fix itself to the point where people will be looking for electricity again or whatever but not to the point where they'll figure out that you're not the rightful owner of it just because you happen to be there yeah 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 but yeah i really enjoyed it it's on netflix so if you got netflix it's worth checking out um i've heard it said before and i think you echoed that and i would agree that even if you're sick of zombie movies like this is still a fantastic movie that the zombies are a very little aspect of it so yeah it's i mean like all the good zombie movies it's about the characters who are being attacked by zombies yeah um, let's see the other I guess the only other thing I watched was uh, the other day we went and saw The Incredibles 2 uh, I'm a big fan of the, the first one I've always said it's the best Fantastic Four movie that anybody's ever made um, and so I had big expectations for this one because I've been wanting a sequel to this movie pretty much ever since the first one came out and so I was like oh shit how are they going to follow it up but uh, they did a fantastic job. Really enjoyed it. Lots of uh, good superhero stuff. And uh, once again, I left the movie saying, why doesn't somebody give Brad Bird a ton of money to make a Fantastic Four movie? Like, it seems like a no-brainer at this point. Well, Disney's about to get them back, it looks like now, again. I know. Uh, so, so maybe. It would behoove them to do it, because he obviously gets the family dynamic of the story and everything else that you would need to do for a Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have said that, and so we'll see. Yeah. Because it looks like, I think I read that Fox has accepted the latest Disney offer after they... Uh, it sounds like it. I know they, Disney uh, upped, their, upped their dollar amount to how big Comcast. Yeah. So. So. I think they're up to seventy-one billion now. It's insane. Yeah, but you know, large numbers aside, what matters in the real world is that we could be getting Fantastic Four in the MCU. We could be getting a reboot of X Men. Somebody could finally do X Men correctly. Mm -hmm. So, so much potential. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Doom in the Marvel Universe is all the matters. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to see a Doctor Doom versus Iron Man movie? I mean, come on. Yeah, we might be too late for that. Oh, shut your mouth. That would still be great. No, I just mean, I think we're not getting any more. We're not getting too many more Iron Man movies. Yeah, I know. But still. So. Plus, there is going to come a point where 
75-year-old Tony Stark is <laughs> not going to make a lot of sense. But Well, you see, you can just adapt the story in the comics where he turned into a teenager somehow for uh, for a run. So then you just, can just... Uh, just goes. Yeah, just goes. Yeah. And they also did it with Loki, so if uh, Tom Hiddleston doesn't want to play Loki anymore, you can just have him revert to a... Uh, to a teenager too for some reason Loki's dead man well we th- we thought he was dead before yeah we'll see but uh yeah okay. Incredibles 2 totally fantastic everybody should go check it out and, I've never uh, seen I've never even seen the first one. Oh, are you serious I, I gotta get to it one day it's just one of those movies that just, I've always wanted to see and just haven't oh yeah, if you're totally into superhero, like the superhero boom right now, The Incredibles, the first movie especially is fantastic. The second one was equally as fantastic. I absolutely loved it, so definitely worth a watch. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, so, Doa, why don't you tell us what we're going to be covering next week? Uh, next week, we're going to be covering two uh, kind of twisted comedy slash horror movies in uh, The Goot in High Spirits and John Candy in uh, Nothing But Trouble. So Steve, Steve Gutenberg and John Candy. Goot! <laughs> Doug's not nearly as excited about The Goot as we are. No, but I, I am super excited to see uh, Nothing But Trouble again. I haven't seen that one since whenever the hell it came out. And I remember enjoying it. Yeah, I've actually never seen either one of these movies, so it'll be interesting to watch for me. See, I kind of understand not having seen uh, High Spirits, but the fact that you haven't seen Nothing But Trouble is weird. <laughs> See, I don't know if that is weird. I think I think it's possible that we just live in this bubble where we assume everybody's seen all the weird shit we've seen. But I think in the real world, most people don't know what Nothing But Trouble is. I don't know, whenever it came out, it was promoted pretty hard, because that was right around the same time that, like, uh, that's about the same time when, like, the Burbs and shit came out, right? Where they were doing all this weird suburban horror stuff. Yeah. But, well, sounds about right. I don't think most people will remember it, even the, as well as they remember the Burbs. I mean, I'm just saying, it's got the, it, just the cast, the cast alone, I think the trouble is pretty epic. Yeah. I know the uh, the guys that do last podcast on the left managed to bring it up like every episode somehow, <laughs> even though they're like doing a true crime podcast. <laughs> so they're big fans of it. That's awesome. I don't I don't know why they keep bringing it up, but that's what kind of got it back into my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, the movie I haven't seen that in a long time. Was there a movie called Haunted Honeymoon too? Was that yes, there was yep. Gene Wilder, I believe. Oh, the Gene Wilder. Okay, I couldn't remember what the movie was about or who was in it. But That's the one Gene where Wilder. they're going to scare him to death. <laughs> the <laughs> insanity. Hmm. I haven't seen that one since the 80s either. Although somebody, they did like a Blu-ray release of it, which I thought about buying until it was like $40. Yeah, luckily I know people who's do stupid, stupid things with their money, so I know a couple of people who saw it and said it really holds up well. So. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. 
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.